Welcome to Your Brand Amplified, the podcast where we interview marketers, publicists, and brands to learn their stories, what makes them tick, and tips and tricks that make a difference. Welcome back to this week's edition of Your Brand Amplified. I am so excited to be here with Sheena Yapchan, who I met when we were both guest speakers for Live Nation for a Stop Asian Hate panel. And I am just thrilled because she is a huge advocate for women and Asian women. Um, so Sheena, thank you so much for being here today. Hey, Annika, thanks so much for having me. Super excited to be here just to chat and just share a little bit of my story. Yes. And speaking of, that's my very first question. I would love for you to share your story with our audience today. Yeah, for sure. So I was born in the Philippines and my parents uh, decided to move to Canada when I was seven. And this is really how this whole journey of learning to elevate Asian women, especially just kind of started like growing up in Canada in the early nineties, I never saw any Asian female role models to look up to. So a part of me was always ashamed of being Asian. Mm. At one point I really wanted to be a white girl named Heather because I thought oh, that's no. what beautiful was right. And yeah, it wasn't like, it, it took like, you know, the first Asian show I ever saw on TV was all American girl with Margaret Cho. Mm. Right. And then there was the joy love club. And then for some reason, the next 25 years we get, um, fresh off the boat and then crazy rich Asians. Like there was such a huge gap. And I realized like, why aren't we getting more representation? What is going on? And, you know, I realized like if I wanted to have that representation, I had to start with myself. Now, of course I wasn't always an entrepreneur. I had an office job for 12 years. Um, I actually didn't really hate it. It was more maybe the politics around it, <laughs> being at, 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 at work. And also because 10 years ago, my aunt passed away from a horrific accident oh. and it just made me realize how short life is. And I didn't like want to, you know, go through life like a zombie, right? Can I just go into work Monday to Friday? Sometimes I'd drive to work and I'd be like, how did I get here so fast, right? Um, not saying that having a job is a bad thing. If you love your right. job, that's great. But if you know that, you know, you're sitting in your cubicle and you're like, there has to be something more than just working a job. Like I couldn't see myself working at the same place for the next 30, 40 years. And, you know, after my aunt's death, it really kind of started that whole journey. Like I need to do something for myself. Right. I didn't want, what if one day I'm not here and all I did was work to the bone. Right. And had nothing to show for. And so of course it wasn't, um, something that happened right away, you know, especially growing up as an Asian girl, it's not typical to go out and do your own thing. Right. Mm -hmm. You're told to just get it, go to school, get a job, get married, make babies and never rock the boat. <laughs> and, you know, that's definitely not me. I'm the total opposite of everything. Um, but you know, there was certain steps and signs from the universe that just said, you know what, just do it. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and it takes a lot of courage. It's not easy, right? So for anyone who decides to get into entrepreneurship, just know that, you know, you should give yourself a pat on the back because it's not an easy thing to do. I remember just for some reason, I wanted to live in Hawaii for, for I don't know, I just saw Hawaii and it was just like, it was calling me, right? Wow. Not because of the pretty beaches. It was just really calling to me. And one day I just decided to like, uh, sell my condo, quit my job and just oh my live, there, live there for six months without any plan, not knowing what to do. Um, yeah. And, and through it all, I was still like, you know, how can I empower women? What can I do to empower women? Right. I also dabbled in so many things that of course failed, <laughs> but that's they all failures, they were lessons. Yeah. Right? Failure, failures are feedback. Right. And yeah. so, um, that's when I started my podcast. So I have a podcast called the Tao of self-confidence where I interview Asian women 
about their journey to self-confidence. And I really created that because first off, representation was important. I said, you know, if I really, really crave for representation, then I have to start it regardless if nobody knows who I am, regardless if even at the time I didn't know what a podcast was, I was going to go ahead and do it. And, you know, since it's been a little over five years and I've been able to interview over 700 Asian women on this topic of confidence. Um, Yeah. Another reason was really support, right? Like we all go through self-confidence issues, but I never saw any resources that really helped Asian women with building self-confidence. I was like, why is that? It's like, am I the only one who's going through this? Mm -hmm. Right. And so that was another reason to really have that support system so that you know, as women, not, not just Asian women in general can realize like we go through so much, right? You know, we're afraid of what people say to us. We overthink a lot. We don't trust our own gut. It takes forever to make a decision or, you know, just how we see ourselves. We see, see ourselves as not being enough or, we're, you know, um, we're too afraid to go out there and do our own thing. So every, every single woman goes through that, right? Regardless if they're, you know, if they make an hour, $10 million, right? We all go through some form of issues. And I think that was the most important because we really need to just be more relatable, right? Um, Just realize like we all go through it and it's temporary and we can come out of it because especially as women, right? We're so capable, right? We're so capable. It's just because of how we see ourselves is what really stops us. And that's why we have such a huge confidence gap for men. And I know it's easier for men because they, they don't get, uh, judged for every single action, right? Exactly. Like a great example is Naomi Osaka, right? Like she's getting judged for every single action, not realizing like this woman has been judged from the moment she stepped foot on a tennis court, yeah. right? Um, you know, men men don't get judged as much as women. That's, that's just the truth, right? hundred percent. I mean, I mean yeah. even if you're in a normal workforce, right? And you're interviewing for a job, women are less likely to interview for jobs if they don't think they meet all the criteria where a man, he can meet three out of 10 and he's like, oh, I'm perfect for this job and we'll go in and get it. Exactly. It's com- completely it's, that self-confidence. It's, it's, yeah. it's crazy. And even like when we want to try and, you know, go after a promotion, you know, we can over-prepare to a team and something still holds us back, right? Mm-hmm. Well, like you mentioned, as a man, he's maybe 20% ready. He'll go for it, right? Regardless if he gets it or not, he's just going to do it. And I think sometimes we just need to take that mentality, right? Of course, you know, we get scared, we overthink, we do it, but the more we take action and push through those things, the more we can build that confidence. And then since then, you know, I've been doing speaking and coaching. And also we created our books, uh, one called Asian Women Who Boss Up, you know, highlighting 18 Asian women and their stories. You know, it's really, it's really important to have like Asian women on the cover of a book because I've never seen any, right? And if there is, nobody talks about it. And this is why it's so important to amplify your brand, right? Because if nobody knows about you, you know, how do you expect to get clients? How do you expect to have people interview you? And I know self-promotion sometimes is really, really like it's, it's icky for us, right? As women, we think it's not ladylike, it's not proper, but if you have a product or service or show that can help someone's life, why not go out there and do it? Right. And, you know, the best part is women, we don't always have to do it alone. We can do it with a group, a community of other women who are going through the same things. And I think collaboration and connection is so important now more than ever, especially after the pandemic, right? Because women have been way more effective than the men. That's just a fact. Like (laughs) last month, there was an article saying that women globally lost a total income of $800 billion from the pandemic. So um, I think the pandemic is actually a great time for women to just step up. Yeah, I, I definitely, I think women 
spent a lot of, we all had a lot of time at home to think about what we want to do, who we want to be, how we want to show up. And that probably helped a lot of people work with coaches, start taking classes online, figure out how to find their voice. And the, the interesting thing about the self-promotion angle is that nowadays storytelling is everything. Like that is what, I mean, you know, that my whole job in PR and marketing is I want my clients to tell their stories because you have to have an authentic voice to resonate with your audience. And so I feel like that thing where we, that we used to have the hang up on imposter syndrome and well, I don't know, is it going to look like I'm bragging if I do this? That's going away in some ways because people want to feel connected to each other. And that's something else I think we really learned during the pandemic. Yeah. And, you know, it's not like I'm always confident when I go out there and right. share something. <laughs> Half the time I'm like, I think people are sick of you. But then I also have to understand, like, there's someone out there who needs to read it. Right. And, you know, every time I share something, I always get messages from other women like, oh, my God, thank you. You shared this because I was feeling the same way. Mm -hmm. I had a friend. She's like, I was going to apply for this job. And I was kind of like iffy about it. But then seeing what you do, you know, made me want to do it. And, you know, that makes all the difference in the world. If I can help one person mm -hmm. just by sharing who I am, my story and what I'm about, then it makes all the difference in the world because you sometimes never know where that one person can go. Yeah, absolutely. So what was the experience moving from the Philippines to Canada and then going to Hawaii, which is very multicultural. A lot of people with our skin tones. Yeah. You know, how, how were the, like, I'm interested to learn how the three different places affected your psyche and what you found different in Hawaii than Canada. Yeah, for sure. Actually. So, you know, I moved to Canada when I was seven, but we actually moved back to the Philippines when I was 13 because oh my, my grandfather was sick at the time. And then three years later, moved back again. So a lot of moving back and forth. And of course, you know, Western and Eastern culture are always totally different. I mean, I grew up in two Asian cultures because, you know, um, um, like my actual back cultural background is Chinese, but I was born in and I grew up in the Philippines. Mm -hmm. And so you go through two different Asian cultures and especially in the East, Eastern culture, you know, they all want the fair white skin, right? Mm -hmm. uh, there's so many whitening creams out there. It's ridiculous, you know, and it's just, the beauty standards, right? And in the Philippines, you know, part of them also want to assimilate to American culture. So that's why they want, you know, the fair white skin and things like that. And, you know, coming to Canada, nobody ever told you to, it's okay to like, you know, share your opinions, right? <laughs> like that's foreign. Like when I went back and I shared my opinion, it was like, why are you being so rude? I'm like, I'm not being rude. I'm just sharing what I feel, right? And it, there's just a disconnect, right? Because it's an older generation. They don't know. They only know one way of living because it's been passed on by generation and generation and generation. So back then when I was a lot younger, I'm like, why are they, why are they so mean to me? Right. Why would they say these things? And then as you grow older, it's like, that was just their culture. Right. And you know, you can't take offense to it and you understand what they go through and you just have to be okay with it sometimes. Right. Um, knowing that, you know, they just come from an older generation, but you have the power to change whatever, you know, generational trauma you go through. Right. Um, living in Hawaii was a totally different experience. It was just like the energy there was just amazing. Um, uh, <laughs> I don't know. There's just something about it. It's not just the nice beaches, of course. Like there's just something there that makes you feel at peace, at calm, a great place to just recharge, you know, and just maybe revisit. And just, I got to know a lot myself. I got to know about myself a lot more, right. Yeah. Just kind of spending more time with myself, 
because, you know, nobody tells, nobody teaches self-care. Nobody says, you know, go out there and, you know, give 20 minutes to yourself, whatever it may be, whether it's reading a book or going through your phone or getting a many, whatever it is, right? Nobody teaches that at school and self-care is so important, right? We really need to take care of ourselves, especially when you're in a culture where you have to take care of everyone else, like you get burnt out, your energy is drained and you feel trapped. That's why self-care is so important. We need to take care of ourselves first before we can take care of other people mm-hmm. or help other people. We really need to help ourselves first. Definitely. And yeah, so that was, I think, the difference in all three um, countries. <laughs> and then you moved back to Canada? Yeah, I'm really yeah. Canada, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and since then, you have your podcast, you have books coming out yeah. that are just about to come out. Well, it's out on Amazon, but the hard copies are coming out soon. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, I haven't received my hard copy yet. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, <laughs> and you coach. I know I'm a member of your Facebook group. I will say I don't get on Facebook as often as I'd like to. Yeah. But I know this is, you know, everything you do is working towards the goal of helping women and promoting women, particularly Asian women, find their voices. But what else inspires and motivates you? I think it's just really, you know, especially with the whole stop Asian hate movement, I think that's what kind of fuels me a lot more when I hear stories of, you know, a 94 year old Asian woman getting stabbed um, and nobody talks about it. Like it makes me want to keep just talking about the things that we go through, right? Talking about elevating more women to show because because of the stop Asian hate, right? women are likely two and a half times targeted more than men. So this is why it's so important to us to build strong, powerful Asian women, kind of dismantle all the stereotypes we go through, like thinking all Asian women are quiet and submissive and obedient. I mean, look what happened in Atlanta, right? They were were basically blaming the victims for being sex workers, right? right? And that's very unfair, right? Because whatever a woman does is her business, right? If they want to be a sex worker, that's fine. I, I, you know, if it makes them happy, who am I to judge? Right. Um, but they also have to realize like these women also could have been forced into that trade, right. When their stories, they're like, Oh, if you come to America, you get to live the American dream, that white picket fence, blah, blah. It sounds so good. Right. And you, when you get here, like, Nope, this is what you have to do. And you have to pay me back for the moving expenses, the visas, everything. Right. And that happens all too often. So we can't judge women based on that because it's very unfair. Right. And then you get, you know, like, especially mainstream, mainstream media trying to like, um, humanize the shooter, right? When he purposely went in there and shot people on purpose, right? And now we're going through, and then now we're going through another issue where I don't know if you saw this, Annika, um, a man, an English man decided to get uh, plastic surgery so he could look like a K-pop idol and wants to identify as Korean. Wow. I have not seen that one yet. Yeah. So, so, so he, he wants to identify as Korean because he felt like he was Korean all his life or so, I don't know, or wants to be a voice for the Korean LGBTQ. Um, first of all, I think there's enough actual Korean people who could be the voice for that. And also this becomes a huge issue now because, you know, first of all, they use the word transracial when the meaning has nothing to do that, like being related to transgender, like transracial is when um, someone from one culture gets adopted by another culture. That's, that's the actual meaning of it, right? But now they're saying they're calling themselves uh, transracial being identified as another race. Wow. And that's actually really hurtful for 
like people of color, right? Especially when there's funds that are uh, geared towards, you know, the advancement of people of color, they can tap into that and say, well, I identify as Korean, I identify as black, so I'm entitled to this as well when they're not because they were born white. Mm -hmm. Um, So now this becomes a huge issue and we definitely need to, you know, like talk about this, right? Because more and more people are like, I've seen more and more people doing this now. Like there's a man in Florida who wants to be identified as a Filipino woman. And then a man in Europe who says he identifies as an African man and decided to change his name to an African name because he saw it in a book. And, you know, says things like, well, I identify, you know, I know what an African man goes through, even though he's, he's white. <laughs> well, and, and there's a thing, I mean, there is cultural appropriation, right? Yeah, and then that, that takes guess, it to a whole another level. Yeah, and, but, and then there's like, I have, I mean, I was at an event yesterday that was talking about the book Homegoing. And it was a fictional account of two sisters in Ghana. One became a slave one became a wife to a prominent man mm-hmm. and their experiences. And it's fictionalized, but it's also, it, it's rooted in truth. And the event was around trauma and healing, particularly for American descendants of slaves. But there were, was a Native American man in the room. There were other people in the room. I was in the room and, you know, we were all able to be together and appreciate and support each other's cultures and what each had experienced. But that doesn't mean we were claiming to be each other's cultures. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, like, you know, I understand that Asian community and say the Latin community go through similar things, but I'm not gonna identify myself as a Latin person. Right. I'm Asian. Well, and then there's, yeah. And then even like putting the blanket statement, it's like, there are so many different, you know, countries that make up both of those, like yeah. the population. You could be a lot of different, you know, from a lot of different countries and each of those has their own cultural norms, same in Asia. So, yeah. yeah. So yeah, the, I think this is what kind of motivates me though, especially when I see someone saying that they're Korean and then kind of using the word Korean as a pronoun, it's like, you know, are, it's just very offensive to be honest. <laughs> yeah, no, that it, that's hugely offensive. Um, what is next for your work and your brand? Um, I think just, you know, keep on elevating, right? Creating visibility, because I understand in order for us to be taken seriously, we just need to have more people out there, right? Helping them share their story, helping them showing up as their authentic selves. Like, you know, I want our community to be like the B- like BTS, you know, like be recognized for who they are, even though they're Asian, each and every person is like, a different person, right? Like they're, they're, they come up as their true selves. And then that's why they, people love them so much, right? Because they share the struggles they go through. They share the good and bad moments. They create good music to create that positive impact. And it's just proof that, you know, in Asian, like in the Asian community, we have that influence, right? We just got to go out there and do it. Mm-hmm. And I know sometimes it's easier said than done, right? Like talking about confidence is easy, but doing it is a whole different ball game, right? And if it was easy, everyone was would be doing it, right? So really now it's just, you know, just keep on, you know, spreading the message, uh, connecting with other organizations who have similar uh, visions to go out there and really create that impact. Because I know I can't do this alone. And, mm-hmm. you know, the the power of connection and collaboration is so important to to spread because if we're all collectively doing the same thing why not just join forces to do right. it exactly yeah and that's where i've recently joined the um alliance for inclusive multicultural marketing 
I'm really excited because it's a mix of like PR firms and agencies and nonprofits and then big, huge brands, right, that are coming together to talk about these issues and to come up with solutions for them and to make sure that we are represented in media and advertising, you know, so um, so that's something that's really exciting because I've also been thinking about like, what else can I do to help solve this? What else can I do to show up and to actually take action? So what are some ways that you would say our audience who's listening could take action, number one, and then how can we support you? Yeah, you know, for sure. Um, first, just start, right? You don't have to start perfect. I didn't start perfect. Mm-hmm. I definitely, I still make a lot of mistakes along the way, to be honest, but I think, you know, you don't have to make big steps to create that change, right? Like I mentioned, like I've had my podcast for over five years, right? And to get to where it is now, it didn't happen overnight. It took five years, right? So you have to learn to just take things step by step, right? Little by little. I think creating the small steps is what really yields the the big results because nothing is overnight, right? I mean, even some of the overnight sensations are not overnight sensations, right? They've been added through and through, even BTS, right? Nobody, everyone thought they were a joke and now look, worldwide domination. So um, yeah, just taking it step-by-step, find a support system or join a community where you don't feel alone. Don't be afraid to ask for help. I know this is something that Asian people don't like doing, asking for help because it's a sign of weakness or we feel like we're asking for a handout. But, you know, in the, it's 2021, like we should be okay to ask for help, right? Especially if it could help us heal better and build our confidence faster Then why not, right? I was the same too. I was afraid to ask for help because I thought I was too good for it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I realized that helping, you know, asking for help really kind of like helped me in my own journey. Mm-hmm. And don't be afraid to make the first move, right? Um like even with the Live Nation panel, and they were looking for speakers. I'm like, I'm here, I'm here, you know? Like, yeah. and then I got it because I just went, you know, I saw it and I just took action. So you just never know what happens when you make that first move. Like I recently just shared a quote on LinkedIn. It's like, if you want those opportunities, like make the first move, right? Um, I know it's it's not easy. It's not, <laughs> it's challenging sometimes. Sometimes you just want to like hide in bed, right? But, <laughs> In order to create that change, I think making the first move, especially as women, right? I still still like the gender and cultural biases we go through. It's not proper to do that. But, uh, you know, we need to stop that. We need to have new things, like new traditions, right? Like it's okay yeah. for women to go out there and make that first move to create the positive impact. And, and, and normalize talking about our feelings, talking about yeah. something that is, you know, particularly I think in the Asian culture and even the Black culture we don't like to talk about our feelings. If you go to therapy, it's a sign of weakness. Yeah. So changing those conversations, say, no, it's actually not. It's good for me to talk about things that are happening and things that have happened to me and things that I'm feeling because then I can do better myself. Yeah, and for sure. Yeah. And it's also learning when you talk about those things, it's also an outlet for you to like, let those things out, right? Dumping all your thoughts. Um, and you feel a lot better, right? Because finally, it's not stuck inside you anymore. You were able to breathe out the stuff that was going through you, the traumas that you've been through. Mm-hmm. And then the more you can, you know, bring awareness to what's going on, then you can start finding solutions. So, yeah, I mean, I, I'm an advocate for mental health. I, you know, I always talk about it. I'm not a mental health professional. I just, you know, I just like talking about it. So I just want people to know that. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's been, it's been a really crazy journey, but you know, I don't think I would trade it for anything else. (laughs) Nice. 
Um, now with your book, are you going to be going on tour or virtual tour or what are, what are some of the plans? Uh, so we've done a lot of ver- uh, like interviews and we did our summits, um, really just promoting it out there. A lot of nonprofit organizations want to learn more about our books. Some of them want to do book clubs. So that's one cool thing. And yeah, I mean, just, we just keep talking about it, right? I mean, this is a book that I've never seen, so I'll keep talking about it <laughs> as much as I can. Um, and yeah, I think, um, yeah, I think that's it. <laughs> um, for anyone who wants to get a book though, feel free, you can, you can pre-order it, pre-order on my website. Just go to shinayapchan.com or, you know, the, the, the easiest ways to um, Google my name, Sheena Yapchan, because I'm the only Sheena Yapchan out there. <laughs> <laughs> and it, um, is that how people would find you on social media as well? Yeah, if they just search my name. I'm the only one. So it's, it's I'm really easy to find. <laughs> and if there is a woman of Asian descent who would like to be on your podcast, how do you take submissions? Do you take or, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. We, right now I'm on a I'm on a break. But yeah, whoever, um, if they want to submit, feel free and you, they can email me. Um, just just search for my website. There's also a contact form there as well. Awesome. So last yeah question well maybe second to last do you have a favorite quote or one that really inspires you uh, I think one I always share is um, behind every successful woman is herself because it really takes you know herself to go out there and take action um, you know you can't get help if you can't decide for yourself you're going to go out there and do it uh, it's really up to us to go and say you know I have what it takes to go out there um, and it's not easy, right? Sometimes there's days where you're drained when you're like thinking, is this going to even work? But the more you keep, you know, building that belief, you're, you'll get it, right? Like I mentioned, it doesn't happen overnight, but the more you keep telling yourself that it will start to happen, just yeah. keep taking action, just keep moving forward. Uh, make sure you have a good support system to be there for you as well. Awesome. Is there anything else that you'd like our audience to know today? Um, hmm. Don't forget to subscribe to Annika's podcast. <laughs> and again, subscribe to my podcast as well. Exactly. To self-confidence. Um, I know I'm like, I'm preaching about self-promotion and I forget to promote myself, but yes, it's on Apple, Spotify, Google play, all the major directories right now, as I mentioned, I'm on a season break, um, but there are over 800 episodes that you can binge listen to so that um, you can definitely relate to at least one woman from, from the series. Wonderful. Uh, I'm so happy to have met you through Live Nation, and I can't wait to figure out how we can continue to work together and build a a really big, healthy, collaborative community of badass Asian women. Same here. I can't (laughs) wait for that as well. We definitely need more. (laughs) Awesome. Well, Sheena, thank you so much for being on today. And audience, we'll be back again next week. Thanks for listening. Want more tips and tricks? Check us out online at www.annikapr.com, on social media at Annika Jackson PR, or join our three-month PR Incubator Bootcamp for small businesses via www.princubator.com.